Sonia Morton Firth, and you're watching The Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today, my guest is Rob Moore, author of 17 books, podcaster, speaker, property developer, and founder of Progressive Property Empire. Rob was a self-made millionaire by the age of 30 after being massively in debt. He's reinvented himself several times and gone from artist, property developer, to social media influencer. His mission, to change the way people think about business, and he supports them through the Rob Moore Foundation. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I am with the lovely, the beautiful, the energetic, the charismatic <laughs> Sonia Morton Firth. Uh, and we're doing an interview for the Sonia Morton Firth show. And Sonia says that she wants to reveal the real Rob Moore and get down and dirty. And I don't know what I've got myself in for, but I'm all yours, Sonia. Thank you. Rob, well, first of all, thank you so much for being a guest on my show, or should I say uh, a collaboration. I love that. I've got the disruptive entrepreneur down in the bottom and I'm loving it. I would normally be doing this face to face, um, but you know, because of the times we're, we're doing it via StreamYard, and I'm very honored to have this streamed around all sorts of different medias. I'm very untechnical. Anyway, let's get down to it, Rob. Are you ready for this? Are you sitting comfortably? And I know you told me it was like your fourth live today. Um, hopefully, this will be your last live today and mm -hmm. the most memorable. <laughs> I'm ready. Bring it on. So, disruptive entrepreneur, property investor, author, speaker, podcast host, you've got dozens of accolades in business, and, and I could really go on. You've, you've broken world records for speaking the most on stage, but what I want to know is, if you strip all those labels away, who is the real Rob Moore underneath it all? Um, uh, uh... The fattest kid in his class as a young as a young boy who's still trying to get recognized and feel useful and valuable and um be noticed i suppose there's definitely a a part of that part of me that's still there someone who wants to do something greater with their life um than just you know, go day by day, week by week and exist. I want to do something meaningful and useful, you know, that matters to a vast amount of people. Um, I'm interested in lots of different things, get excited very easily. Um, you know, love starting new businesses, interested in music and, and fashion and vinyl and hi-fi and cars and collect stuff, collect Lego, collect anything. Um, and yeah, just, um, I still feel very young at heart. Like I'm 42 now, Sonia, but I still in a lot of ways. You, just, you, look, you look a spring chicken. Can I just say <laughs> you don't look 42. Thank you. Yeah. It's, the lighting is helpful. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I don't really know who I am when you take away the, the entrepreneurship because I'm just me. Um, fun and it's fun sometimes, cheeky, bit bit risky sometimes. Uh, someone who's not very good at keeping his mouth shut. There's a few things that are me that maybe. It's quite interesting. So you you started with I, I was a fat kid. I'm the fat kid. Um, take take me back a little bit to your childhood. Um, you, you and I have both got a, a friend or somebody that's transformed our life in common, and, and that's Dr. John Demartini. Um, and he talks about childhood voids. How do you still struggle with those voids, and what are they? Well, yes, we, we're often, as adults, filling the voids that we had growing up. Um, the study of values, axiology, is really the study of um, what's most important to us, and that's often driven by what we don't have. So whilst my voids of maybe feeling ostracized and um, left out because I was the fattest kid, that's a driving force for me today to want to do useful things with my time and help people. And, 
you know, because anything that I might do to get noticed or recognized or respected or admired, I want to do it in a useful way. There's no point just doing it by pouting on social media or, you know, creating arguments for the sake of it to get comments and engagement. It's not really my style because remember the fat kid wants to be liked as well. And so doesn't necessarily want to, you know, just create attention for the sake of it. So I want to create attention in a way that is useful and valuable to others. My personal vision is to help as many people on the planet start and scale their business and get better financial education. Sorry, where did that mission come from? Because that's something that, that, that can't have just sprung up after, you know, sprung up overnight. Yeah, well, that came from, I guess, evolving as a business person. So I started buying properties for myself. I got myself out of 50 grand's worth of debt. I then started sourcing properties for other people, made my first 100 grand within just over a year. Then made my first million um, at age 30 before I turned 31. Then my my mission became less selfish and more selfless because I realized, you know, once I ticked a few boxes of my own wealth, People didn't care about how many millions I made or nice fancy cars or houses I owned. No one cares about that. They care about how you help them, how you inspire them, how you give them hope, how you give them information, um, how you guide them, how you support them. And so I figured that out along the way. But you have to sort of look after yourself first and be in a good space to be able to be more selfless. Because when you're in pain and you're struggling, you're selfish because all you, your body is just saying, fix me. But when you're relatively well um, sorted financially, emotionally, then you're more selfless because you can because fo- you, you're good. You can focus on helping other people and filling their voids. So um, it just get, went to a higher level of reach and impact and extraction, abstraction. You know, John would always say, um, you know. You start with a personal vision, then you go to family, then community, then locality, then national nationality, then an intercontinental vision, and then a global vision, and then an intergalactic vision. And so I took that as inspiration to continue to grow my vision. And, um, you know, property is kind of fairly boring. Well, for me, <laughs> exciting. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a problem. Uh, sorry, I got on the property ladder back in 1998 and, I, and I've got a property portfolio myself. But I think the landscape must have changed a lot since those days. Uh, what do you think, what, what got you into property in the first place? Um, I went to a networking event because a gallery owner of mine had said you should go and get yourself out there and get into property because, you know, it's, it's a sure thing because in 2005, it kind of was a sure thing. Um, and I wasn't interested. I was an artist. I was into rage against the machine and I hated capitalism and greedy corporate, you know, businessmen. You know, it's funny how you sometimes I hated people who drove Ferraris and showing off assumed they were drug dealers. And it's funny how you become the things that you uh, dislike. But I realized that was just my own hurt manifesting my own lack of results or self-worth. And I was struggling as an artist and a gallery owner kept saying, you should go to this property meeting. It was a local one in Peterborough. And I just dismissed it for probably three years, Sonia. And then on December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a massive nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers, got beaten up and sectioned by the police outside on the front lawn, um, got sectioned and um, was held for three months, you know, under the Mental Health Act in Ward 5 of Peterborough District Hospital. And in that moment and that, and that week or so afterwards, between that happening and me going to this networking event, I beat myself up so hard and hated myself and felt I'd been a real letdown to my dad and that, you know, he'd given me lots of opportunity and always supported me. And I was a bit of a loser and complacent and cocky and ungrateful. And I was those things. I was just drifting along with no direction or vision or 
Um, and so it was that that was another void that opened up in my life, Sonia. So I had the one from when I was a kid and then I had this one with the shame and those two things have, have been my voids that have driven me since. And I, I now have 990 properties in my portfolio of ownership and management companies that I have with my business partner and other investors. And, um, you know, it started with buying a few local houses with my business partner's money back in 2006 and kind of grew from there. But to, to finish the last question, property, you know, like you, you've got a portfolio, but you're probably doing it for other things, for the wealth building, to fund your passion, just to invest money wisely, but not necessarily because that's what you want to do all day, every day. What I want to do all day and every day is inspire, start and scale up entrepreneurs. I want to help people build their own enterprises that make a difference and help them and their communities make money. And so property was a part of my business growth. Property and then training. I, I actually enjoy training and teaching on property more than property. I actually enjoyed teaching and training and speaking on general business more than teaching about property and property. So it kind of grew and grew and grew. And then it got to the point where like, this is it, this sort of this brand of disruptive entrepreneur that I seem to have picked up along the way and, and wanting to help as many people, you know, start their own business. And, you know, there's hundreds of millions of people across the globe that could be impacted by that. So that's how I sort of came up with my personal vision going along that journey. And I mean, look, Rob, you, to all intents and purposes and, and everyone's definition of success, you're an extraordinarily successful man. Do you feel like you're a success in your own definition of success? Um, yes and no. I mean, if I were to define, define success, it would be finding the things in your life that um, you're meant to do and then go and do them with passion and enthusiasm and and use your pursuits to help as many people on the planet as you can. And in that regard, I'm doing that, but I'm not done and I'll never be done. Do you feel fulfilled? No, no. What's, what's missing? Well, nothing, but it's just not full yet. You know, when I'm on my deathbed and I've inspired and, and helped 100 million people and it's my time to go, then I'm fulfilled. But until then, I'm filling. I am <laughs> fulfilling, but I am not fulfilled. But that doesn't mean I'm empty. It just means I'm on the way and I've got lots more to do. So I, I, I'm a lucky person. I'm a grateful person. I'm, I'm probably one of the quite few people alive who loves what they do and do what they love and get to do that for a living and turn my passion into profession. That's, you know, I feel very grateful, but I'm not successful because I'm not done and I'm not fulfilled because I'm not finished. Do you ever look back though on everything that you've accomplished, which is huge. I mean, I read some of the list and just go, wow, fuck, I've done a lot with my life. I'm pretty awesome, right? I mean, you know, you've got a, a lot of people that you, you talk to. I mean, I'm, I'm a big follower of yours. I listen to your content. I was listening to it today, walking along. Um, and, and, you know, you're, you're helping people. Is there no point that you just sit having a nice cup of tea, you know, Sunday afternoon and just think, I've done okay. If, that was, if this was my time, I've done okay. No, never, never, never. Maybe I should more. Maybe I need therapy. I don't know. Um, but no, no. If I've got Sunday afternoon, I'm either going to spend it with the kids um, or hopefully do something fun or I'm going to I'm going to get to work and expand the vision and the mission. And I'm never done. No. I mean, you know, I've got a lovely vinyl collection. I've got a really nice hi-fi that I, I sit and enjoy. I've got two amazing children i've got a beautiful wife i've got some nice cars i live in a beautiful house i've got my mum and dad they're still alive my wife's parents are still alive we've got a lovely little dog i've got lots of things that i've collected I, i'm a very lucky guy and i've got a great life but and i and i appreciate it like i'm able to appreciate things more than a lot of people a lot of people say oh you shouldn't shouldn't 
it's not about materialism and things. It's about experiences. But I, I can look at my vinyl collection and go, you know, that's a, my journey and my quarter of a million pound hi-fi system that I listen to and go, because I started collecting my hi-fi when I was 14 years old. And I used to buy hi-fi news and, and what hi-fi every month and read it. And I started with a little Technic separate system. And what am I now? 42. So 28 years later, I've built it up to a quarter of a million pound music system. And every time I, like I was playing Radiohead this morning, I've not played them for ages. And it just brings back all those memories. There's, there's some real, I don't know what, how to put it into words, but there's something really transcending. And I'm able to experience great gratitude through that. Um, so I definitely, um, I appreciate things around me. But things I've done are just, they're on a CV. They're tick next, tick next, tick next, more to do, tick next, more to do. Um, you know, I had therapy for most of 2020. And my therapist was always trying to get me to strip away the identity of being an entrepreneur, a world record holder, a, a, a multimillionaire, or this or that, the other, and, and an author, a public speaker, a creator, an influencer, an entrepreneur, an employer, and say, who are you, Rob, without all of that? Yeah. And um, that that's a scary thing to sit and think about. So I tend to avoid that and just get back to work. Well, look, I'm not, I know you, you're not a big meditator, are you? Um... And have you have you tried meditating? Is there something yeah, scary takes, about that? Takes too long. I'm too impatient. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've tried it, and um, I, I probably look. There's a million things, Sonia. I could do better or do more. Um, th there's a million failings and flaws about me, and I probably rush a bit much. Um, you know, I probably. Uh, sometimes should be a bit more thorough. Um, I should probably take more time for myself. I uh, should probably, you know, take more time for my kids. Can we reverse it? Because I didn't ask for your flaws and you're giving me your flaws. You're pretty awesome, Rob. Maybe you need to like pat yourself on the back a bit more and just, you know, I, I believe we're all equals, balance in life, people are all equal. But it sounds like... Um, have, have you, do you actually love yourself? Yeah, well, the, hard, look, the hardest love of all, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm much better at that. I, I never did when I was young, Sonia, because I believed what everyone told me about being fat and useless and slow and uh, all of that. But, you know, over time, when I got enough proof, when I lost the weight and girls started to be interested and I was good at certain things, like I, I was really good at art. I got 100% of GCSE. I was the only person in the country to do that. Um, obviously, you know, I've been very successful in, in business and my podcast really successful. I interviewed Floyd Mayweather. I've done nearly a thousand episodes of, across two podcasts. So I could also list what I've done well and what I'm good at, Sonia. But, you know, we are all equal. I agree. But we're also all different. Mm. And that means that I've got flaws, but I've also got strengths like us all. And so I wasn't really hating on myself by talking about them, just being honest about the fact that, you know, meditation is probably something I should do a bit more of. I should be a bit more mindful, maybe a bit more minimal, maybe take a bit more time to do nothing. But then that's what society tells you you should do, or that's the trend. It's the should, it's those should words. I should do this. I should exactly. do that. Bollocks to should. Bollocks to should. That's what I say. I'm too busy chasing my mission to make a global impact to meditate at the moment. But I have tried it. I do do visualizations. I've done, I do walking meditation sometimes. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hippie, but not much. Did you visualize this? If, if, if we took the clock back 10 years, did you visualize this? Was this something... Uh, your empire, what you've done with the property world, what you've done with your own personal brand. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, when you visualize, even when you put emotion into it and you're really clear about the image, I, I don't think it looks exactly as you planned. Some things have, like I used to drive past this house that I live in. No, let me um, rephrase that. Ride past on my bike 
um, and look at it and go, oh, I'm going to have the house one day. Look at that. Such a regal manor house, that flagpole, long drive. That This house is so me. I like old statement houses, not new flimsy ones. And, and, I, and I live in it and we're still developing it now. We're still extending it and doing it's just like a, so many rooms. It's like a maze. And, and I really did visualize that hard. And I did visualize having Ferraris and Lamborghinis. And I do, but probably different models to the ones I visualize. So, yeah, I do believe in visualization and locking on to something that you want. But I also believe in, as well as that law of attraction, I believe in action and going out yeah. and making it happen. And, and when things change, evolving with the change. Because sometimes you're stubborn just to go, no, I've got to do this this way. Sometimes it's good to be flexible and move and pivot and and and, and evolve and allow your plan to be a, a little bit more mysterious and a little bit more um, evolutionary. You can't control everything. Well, we, we're coming into out of a period that we couldn't control, that's for certain. Um, but... What I wanted to talk about, because it, it wouldn't be a show without you, without me asking about your little addictions. And well, firstly, do you think you are you addicted to anything? I'm very addictive personality, so I'm addicted to Costa Coffee. Um, I'm definitely addicted to progress and the feeling of moving forward and momentum. I have a little bit of a sweet tooth and definitely do find it hard to um, not have anything sweet in the day. So there's definitely a mild one there. I'm definitely addicted to my phone. Let's just be real about that. Most people who are judging me right now probably are too. Are you uh, addicted to social media? Let's get this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 You know, they're clever, the social media platforms. So, uh, yeah, I, I get... I get these mini addictions and obsess obsessions, a better word. Is Clubhouse um, your obsession at the moment, Rob? Yeah, I've been on every day for 101 days. I've got 220-something thousand followers. So I've, you know, I feel like I've done some good work there, given lots of value. Yeah, I feel like I should be on it every day, yeah, obsessing about that, yeah. What would it look like if you didn't go on for a day? And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not judging this. There's, there's worse things to be obsessed about. In fact, I wish I need to be more obsessed with social media, but we've all got our different addictions. Um, I would just find another way to reach people and help them. I might do more um, reels and TikTok videos or lives on Instagram. I don't really do lives on Instagram. Find a, you know, a way to grow rapidly on other social channels. And there's two reasons I want to grow. And one is for me to feel like I'm progressing and moving forward, but two, to reach more people and help impact them. What do you personally get from social media? I mean, do you still get a sort of a buzz from the likes and the, and the comments? And I know you get a mixture of comments. You, obviously, you put yourself out there. There's the haters, the critics. Um, but obviously, you've got, uh, you've got a huge fan base as well. Not really. I mean, look, if a post has a lot of engagement, that's good feedback. Um, but you can hack engagement and you can trick yourself into thinking it was a good post, but it was a hack. So, and I know how to hack engagement. Okay, tell me, how do, you hack, how do you hack engagement? Is there a little tip that you can give anyone out there? Yeah, um, address controversial subjects and um, either create a debate around it or put your flag in on one side of the fence and say, um, you know, I believe this is right or I believe this is wrong. Address the elephants in the room in your industry, the areas in your industry where nowhere else, one else dares to go or to speak out on. Talk about very topical and polarizing um, subjects. And when massive stuff is in the media that everyone's talking about, comment on it. Uh, and or ask um, provocative questions. Five ways to hack engagement. I can do that all day, every day. But what's the point? It's vacuous. It's, there's no substance necessary. Some of that, that, that there can be. Mm. But getting engagement for engagement's sake all the time, it's vacuous. I do it every now and again if I need to bump the algorithms or, or kick kickstart some reach. Because we are playing games with the algorithms on social media. And you know, sometimes our reach is reduced and that hurts my mission. Um, but so 
if I write a thoughtful and meaningful post or do a, a you know a thoughtful interview where I think my content has been valuable, I want it to get really good engagement. Yes, but I'm not. I'm definitely not addicted to the likes and the comments. I quite enjoy the critical comments as well as the positive comments. My my critics are they need to up their game. I need more. You know, if I want to be bigger, okay. I need more critics. They need it's to challenge step. everybody. More critics. Uh, talking about critics and critical voices, um, how do you control your inner critic? Or, or do you listen to your inner critic? Uh, yes, I listen to my inner critic because my inner critic coming from intuition often has good feedback for myself. All human emotions have a purpose, otherwise we wouldn't experience them. So if there's guilt or shame or beating yourself up or you know, feeling like you should be doing more or some kind of void, that's probably useful feedback. You just have to take it as feedback and then turn it into a solution and talk yourself round into a positive instead of beating yourself up about it. Listen to it, take what's useful and then move forward with a solution mindset. And if you start to beat yourself up too much or become too noisy and you're in a critic, then you've got to start balancing it. What you're, you know, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, what you're weak at, what you're good at. Uh, and and I'm, I've, I've learned to develop a voice which talks myself up when I talk myself down or supports me when I challenge me. And do you ever, um, uh, in terms of, of that, that critical voice or that inner intuition, has that ever been wrong, say, particularly in business? Have you ever sort of gone with your gut instinct and gone, oh, God, that's it just hasn't worked out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people say, oh, you should always trust your intuition. It's always right. That's a load of bollocks. It's not always right. Because if you've not been doing something for very long and you've not got any experience, what does your intuition stand for? Not much. Due diligence and research and getting mentors and asking good questions and being more thorough and more analytical and learning more that often trumps intuition. However, if it's around a person and you're getting an iffy vibe on a person, well, I reckon all people have pretty good vibes about people. It's a sense I think we most of us have. But you have to be careful of your own biases. I'll give you an example, Sonia. I trust people far too quickly and easily. My business partner is the opposite. He's really skeptical and takes years to trust people. So uh, both of our intuitions would be biased. His intuition would be not to trust. My intuition would be to trust. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes he's right. So I think you should listen to your intuition and feel it. But you should also get wise counsel, get good feedback, get mentors and do some research as well. I, oh, I agree with you. I'm very similar in that respect. I instantly trust until proven wrong. And that's, uh, yeah, that can be dangerous sometimes. Now, I asked my audience before I came out if anyone had any questions for you, Rob. And uh, it wasn't just one. It was a, a couple of people that said, you know, if we want to start a business right now, what is the biggest piece of advice you could give entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start a business? Right. Well, I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. And there is so much fear and procrastination and over-analysis, analysis, paralysis, trying to get all your ducks in a row and be perfect before you start. That is so common. So for those who can relate, we need to start now and get perfect later. We need to build it on the go, as we go, not before we go. We need to continually improve and create um, improving iterations rather than trying to build the perfect model right at the start. So um, that would be my um, first piece of guidance for anyone wanting to start a business. The next would be to leverage the internet and social media and all these low friction, low barrier to entry, free platforms where you can reach millions of people. Clubhouse, Facebook pages and groups, other people's groups, not just your own. Instagram reels, TikTok videos, YouTube videos, YouTube shorts, podcasts and doing interviews. You name it. There are so many channels out there. And some people are, oh, but Rob, there's so many channels. I'm so overwhelmed. There's also so many opportunities to reach millions of people. So embrace it and leverage and make sure that your business is at least a, at the very least a hybrid model where parts of it can be delivered online. 
and, and, and embrace this um, mass of momentum and uh, velocity of the internet and of social media and of all of these um, social media connecting platforms. Like the network effect is where um, more people are connected than ever before. And the, the quicker and what more wider reaching the network effect is, the more opportunity there is. So previous network effects might be rail or te radio, telecommunications or air travel. The internet was the greatest network effect ever. And now on that network effect of the internet, which reaches 5 million people out of 7 million people, then we can put things on it like currencies, cryptocurrencies, like social media platforms, like ad platforms, uh, like traditional media. These all leverage the existing network effect of the internet. And so they compound this network effect. And I believe we should be leveraging that for our benefit as an entrepreneur. Do you ever discourage somebody from setting up their business? If, for example, um, a lot of people may give you um, a reason why, if you ask them, you know, why are you setting up your business? And, and if they come back to you and say, because I want to be rich, because I want to make lots of money. What do you, do you have views on that? Nothing wrong with wanting to be rich. Nothing no, wrong no, no, with no, absolutely not. Yeah, and nothing <laughs> wrong with wanting to make a lot of money. Now, hmm, who shouldn't start a business? If someone else wants you to start a business and you don't, and you know you don't, like your parents or an influence, and you're doing it for someone else and not for who you really are and what you're supposed to do, you probably shouldn't start a business. If you, if you value safety and security above everything else, you probably shouldn't start a business. But to be honest, there are so many upsides of running your own business. Autonomy of time, autonomy of thought, autonomy and speed of decision. You pay tax last, not pay tax first. There's so many more incentives that you can do to offset your overheads and expenses. It's just so many benefits. And, you know, and we're, we're entrepreneurs are responsible for most of the solutions on the planet, most of the employment on the planet. We fund most of the public sector. But of course, I'm biased because I love entrepreneurship and business. So if someone else is trying to force you to do it or you value safety and security, um, don't start a business. But other than that, give it a go because you can do a side hustle. You can do it evenings and weekends. You can you know, build it up while you're working in your job and then equal the income from your job in 12 or 24 months and then hand your notice in. It's not much risk doing it that way. T talking of that word hustle um, that Gary Vee made very popular uh, a few years ago, what's your opinion on working 24-7, hustle, hustle, hustle? Is that the way to run a business? No, it's bullshit. Like, you know, when people say I'm grinding it out 24 seven. No, you're not. You had one hour sleep. You have three hours sleep. So it just sound bites. Um, now, look, you have to work hard enough not to have to work hard. And, you know, you're not going to be successful sitting on your ass, eating Doritos, watching Netflix. But even gamers who game for a living can make a living. YouTubers and podcasters and creators can make a living. You can actually make a living merging your passion and profession, your vocation and your vacation. It is possible. And um, I just don't like sound bites. Um, you know, when people say go all in, stupid advice. Don't go all in because what if you lose? <laughs> then you've lost it all and you have to start again. Um, you know, go go 70 percent in. Or 80% in, but not all in. So the problem is these things are sound bites for social media. No one works 24-7, 365. Now, Robin Sharma reckons you should work up to five hours a day. I know people who reckon you should work three hours a day. You can't do deep, focused, good quality work for many hours a day without needing breaks and changes of scenery of your mind. So by all means, work hard, but work smart. By all means, graft, but also use craft. You know, a bit of labor, fine, but also a bit of logic, a bit of thought. 
take time to think and decide on the big decisions rather than hustling through them all. Um, and, you know, you're allowed to have hobbies and you're allowed to have a partner and kids and you can still be bloody successful. We idolize the billionaires or the zillionaires. And, you know, that they were so hyper-focused, such a high values focus on business entrepreneurship or on their chosen model. They're not necessarily great life role models. You know, they, um, they die at 48, like um, Steve Jobs did. I don't want to die at 48. Uh, no, I don't want a billion pound company and die at 48. I'd rather have a hundred million pound company and die at 96. And, you know, sometimes they've had three divorces and blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't judge because we're all people and we've all got shit going on. But if you obsess on your business 24, 24 7, 365, then everything else is going to be fucked. Do you want everything else to be fucked um, or not? So, um, no, I, I think you should rest well and rest hard. And actually, new science is saying that really successful people, it's not just about how hard they work, how well and quickly they recover which means you need quality sleep, which means you need to tune your brain away from thinking about problems all the time. I know someone who knows Elon Musk well, and apparently Elon Musk likes a lot of, he cracks a lot of jokes and he's quite um, into humor and sort of meme childish humor. And it's a way to relieve his brain from these bloody high level life or death problems that he has all the time. You have to turn off and tune out. And, and I don't find that that easy. So I'm telling you from someone with experience, but listening to vinyl, having interesting conversations, going on walks. Do you, you know, pick up the paintbrush? Do you paint? Do you still paint? Not, not really anymore. But, I, but you know, I, I get my creative needs met in other ways. Um, John, John Demartini talks about the seven pillars of life. And if you were to look at your life, Rob, uh, you know, you, you score, I'm sure, top 10 out of 10 in entrepreneurship, this area, that area. Where would you say that you are weakest or what are the areas that you would like to improve? Probably self-care, like putting myself first. Um, I, you know, I've got loads of things I love to do hobby wise. I've played the drums a bit. I've got a yearning to play the drums. I used to, I had some high grading belts in martial arts. You, you know, like if I'm busy and doing in the flow work, I'll, I'll put the gym, I'll sometimes make it a priority, I sometimes won't. So self-care and probably not that great. I've got much better at maintaining my friendships and relationships. I've been up and down with that in my life, but I've got better at that recently. So, um, yeah, I, that's probably what I should do a bit more of, but. Mm. You should, it's, a, it's a should again. One of those shoulds. Yeah. Um, so you, you recently brought out a book with a lovely title called Opportunities. Uh, tell me a little bit about the book that's called Opportunities. Um, I'm assuming it's about taking opportunities in life. Yes. Yeah, so there's only one other book in the whole world written on opportunity specifically. But yet there's millions of mindset and business and personal development books. So I found a niche where it's something that I think is useful to everyone and can be timeless, but is also specific and timely. So, you know, it helps people spot the infinite amount of opportunities that exist in space and time simultaneously. And then how to see more opportunities, seize more opportunities, leverage more opportunities, the right opportunities. And then once you are right for you, but you can't take on, you partner up with other people and you do collaborations and joint ventures. And then this is really important for entrepreneurs because we're often really bad at it is what to say no to and what to delegate and what to delay and what to delete completely. Because often we're doing too many things and saying yes to too many things or we're overwhelmed or we, we chase the shiny penny or we're starting new things all the time. And so the, the book really goes through those stages and gives practical tactics on how to embrace, attract and seize and implement more and better opportunities and delegate and delete less and worse opportunities. How do you know when an opportunity is a real opportunity or one that you should take or a dead duck that you should keep away from? Um, right, there's so many factors to this. Um, wrong time. 
either in the market or for you. If you don't have the resources, the time, um, the capacity to leverage it, if it's not within your interest or skill set, um, if it's too early or too late in the market, yeah, th th there's at least five ways there to um, ensure you don't take the wrong opportunities. So what's your next, do you have a next book coming out as well? Or you, because it, it's it, what, 18 books, 17 books. This is your 17th book. At my 18th book, yeah. Yeah. How do you write them so quickly? Well, I mean, I've been writing for 12 years, so it's not that quick. Do you get someone to write them? Have you got a ghostwriter or do you actually well, write them? Only one of my books has had a ghostwriter involved and I'm not going to tell you which one it is. People have to guess. I have to guess. Oh, that could be a little challenge, couldn't it? <laughs> okay, folks, let's guess which one is ghostwritten and which one, uh, which one Bob didn't actually write. Um, if you could do anything without any restrictions of money, time, uh, any pre or any skill set, what would you do for a week? Um, probably make love to my wife twice a day. So why you do we, you, why do, we do that more often, Rob? Come on, this is a great way to relax and <laughs> let go and become creative. You know, we talked about that. Um, well, you talked about that today in, in another live. Uh, the think think and grow rich and how you know that actually expending sexual energy and sexual transmission is very good for uh, to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. My ideal day. Um, yeah. I would. Wake up, go get my Costa coffee, work on my vision and strategy. Do some are, you a, are you a latte, cappuccino or Americano? Medium skinny cappuccino, extra shot, not too much milk. And I would do some strategy and vision work to ensure I'm moving more towards making a global impact. I'd do some kind of content creation and get involved in my communities and add some value and have some good interaction with my communities. I'd a smash out a session at the gym. I'd listen to some vinyl. I'd um, go and hang out and play with my kids, probably down the, go down pitch and putt, take my two kids to pitch and putt, come back, uh, drop the kids off with the nannies for a couple of hours, come back. I have my wife make me lunch in certain, with not very much, many clothes on and then go upstairs. Uh, her drag me upstairs like a 15 year old kid. Uh, and that would be that point number one. Then I come back and do a bit more content and, and strategy, go for a long walk and speak to some interesting people on the phone, do a podcast interview with an amazing uh, guest, uh, probably um, come back and list some more vinyl, maybe play the drums or do a bit of martial arts or something for me, bit of a pampering session, shave the beard, you know, um, give myself a bit of love, watch your... An, a, a businessy or informative documentary on Netflix. Read um, my daughter's story and play with her teddies in bed. We have a right laugh doing that. Then go and watch something just for fun and leisure and then have my second uh, moment with my wife and then go to bed at 10.30 p.m. That would be my perfect day. So when do you do Why don't you do it? Well, I mean, I, I give it a bit of a go every now and again, but... You know, no, it wouldn't, but, but you've got time, you've got um, the money that you can do that and that you don't need to be working 24 seven, like, like we just discussed. Maybe, maybe you should do a, 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 you know, a day like that a week. But then that's not every day. That's once a week. No, once a week. Yeah. Would that, I mean, I do push, a lot of it. Would that push you outside your comfort zone though? What, doing it every day? Or, or doing it even once a week? No, I, I, I definitely do that stuff regularly. I'm very lucky. I just don't do it every day in that specific routine and order. <laughs> so what's next? You talked to a lot about your global mission to help us on many entrepreneurs. How are you getting to that global position? I mean, you're, you're obviously very well known within um, uh, various different industries here in the UK. Are you getting to other other areas of the world? 
Yeah, so Clubhouse has helped me scale globally. My podcast has helped me scale globally. One of the reasons I really embrace social media is the global reach of it. So um, that I'm speaking at some very big events with thousands of people in South Africa and America and places like that. So that, of course, helps me as well. Um, so really, it's just about partnerships, collaborations and then platforms, um, partnerships, platforms, people uh, that, um, you know, I can take my message to more people. Um, I'm, I'm definitely on the way. I feel like I'm doing decent work. I've got plenty more to do, but I've had a good start. Where do you see yourself in five years time? Uh, more grey hairs in my beard, definitely, because <laughs> they're starting to show. Uh, five years time. Any of them? Sorry, I can't see any of them. But that may, maybe that's the good lighting again. You see, uh, yeah. No, no. Okay, so 40, 47 years old. Um, I mean, hopefully, I, I I don't know how many people I've reached and had a proper impact on. I, I hope. Um, I hope it's 5 million people, 10 million people. I don't know. So in, hopefully it's 100 million people maybe in five years' time. Hopefully my com all my companies are global. Hopefully I'm, I'm reaching social and mainstream media to, you know, help people start and scale their business and get better financial education. Hopefully my foundation's raising millions to, you know, impact young and underprivileged people. But just really, you know, I, I like the unexpected. I like the spontaneous. You know, when, when we came on before we went live, Sonia, you know, I just said, any questions, nothing's out off limits. Let's just do it. Let's hit live and have fun and be spontaneous. So I, I'm a bit like that with my life in that yeah, I've got my plans, but, you know, I want some things when I'm 47 to be unexpected. An unexpected good. There'll be some unexpected bad, of course. That's guaranteed. So, yeah, you know, don't want to, I don't want to know everything. No, a bit of a surprise is quite nice. Was it money? I think no. it was right. I just just asked, was it money? No. Was it money? No, no way. I mean, that was my biggest book. No, I, I didn't outsource any of that. Did that? I mean, look, I got help with the research, of course, but no, money was fully written by my fair hands that was a labor of love the original manuscript was two hundred and fifty thousand words and i edited it like five times it was a beast nope it wasn't that one what scares you rob um to decay to um go backwards to become irrelevant and useless I fucking hate spiders, especially big ones. Um, I'm actually, this is embarrassing, but, you know, you wanted it real. I'm scared of the dark. Not not oh. so much anymore. Like, I sleep in the dark now, and I'm not so bad, but, you, you know, have like... Did you have a side light on, or, or did you uh, have a landing light on when you were little? Well, I mean, I was scared of the dark till I was 30-something. Um, and even now, like, let's say there was a noise downstairs, and... My wife was like, I'll go down and check it out. I've got a four-story house. I would be a bit nervous going down in the dark. Um, so it's a little bit of that. Um, I, I don't want to let people down, of course. Um, but, yeah, for me, just being non-existent and useless, that's probably the scariest thought for me, I'd say. Do you ever think you'll be non-existent and useless? Well, I I'm too scared of being non-existent and useless to be non-existent and useless. So is, is that why you work 24-7 and constantly doing things just to make sure that you can't say to yourself, I'm not non-existent and useless? Remember, Sonia, I don't work 24-7. No, well, eh, <laughs> maybe not work. I mean, I guess it depends on on your definition of work. You're, you're doing things. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like to be busy of mind or of hand, um, so that yeah, I don't feel like I'm going backwards. Yeah, probably. I, I drive myself and my family a bit mad when there's nothing to do, and I find it hard to switch off. And there's definitely a part of that that's part of that. 
and you don't drink so you don't you don't take anything that's that's a, and apart from coffee which will just like i guess stimulate you even more no no drink no drugs Tr tried most things you know you got to try things once haven't you otherwise you don't know tried most things but no no drink no stimulants other than coffee nothing like that um i don't really need it my energy through the day is pretty good i have a couple of momentary lulls i do often like a little late afternoon naps on you pulled a cheeky one at 5 30 tonight for 15 minutes so that i'd have good energy for tonight yeah for this <laughs> one down. coming yeah. you might be in your pajamas but you're wearing your um your alexander mcqueen jacket yeah i've got to dress up for you you always look so nice you always dress so well so thank you well that's that's one of my uh values <laughs> or voids or values um that i discovered from uh from the wonderful work of uh, John Demartini. Um, I don't, I sort of, I've got so many, many more things that I want to find out about you, Rob. Who is your next big interviewer? Who would you like to get on your show next? Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan is one of our next ones, which I'm really excited about. He was in my top three of all time. That's happening. Um, I've got a couple of big irons in the fire for big names, but I can't say them, but as big as Floyd Mayweather, who I interviewed recently, if I can pull it off, but I'm going to keep Stum on that. Not going to let anything out of the bag. Nope. Um, look, I, I, I ask everybody this and it's my, my sort of last question. Um, and that is if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find what would that message be if you don't risk anything you risk yeah. everything i love it rob you've been a fantastic guest thank you so much um i want to put i'll put the link as well we'll get the link to your book opportunities and we'll put that in the show notes because this will go up on my youtube as well on monday Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.